This Advent, most of our text reading has been in the prophet Isaiah, but this morning, on the final Sunday of Advent, we move to Luke's Gospel, perhaps a more familiar text, the beginning of what we would know as the story of our Lord's birth, the Annunciation. Here now, Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin, engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? The angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy. He will be called Son of God. And now your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month for her, who was said to be barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. Then Mary said, Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You all can stay as long as you want, or you can go back, however you're feeling. And let us pray together. Lord, this story comes to us just as we need it. Open our hearts and ears that we might hear it and receive it. In Christ's name, amen. All Advent this year, we've been listening for voices that cry out to us in wilderness, the wilderness of a chaotic world or our own personal wanderings, trying to navigate new seasons of life, illness, grief, times when we're disconnected from God, or find that in spite of our best efforts, life just hasn't turned out how we expected. All experiences shared by people in this church, by people in this room, or joining us on Zoom. So it makes sense in wilderness for us to listen for the voice of a prophet. Prophets change things up. And in the wilderness, we want to hear that things can change. Prophets tell the truth. They speak it like it is. Like John the Baptist, coming out of the wild in hair clothes and eating bugs yelling at everybody around him that the Lord is coming, so get ready. Or Isaiah, the prophet who spoke into the exile of God's people to comfort them and to challenge them to prepare the way for the one to come, to be planted as oaks of righteousness even in the wilderness. But today we don't hear from a prophet 
On this last Sunday of Advent, we hear from a girl and an angel, or a divine messenger, really, Gabriel. I bet if you picture Gabriel in your mind right now, you don't see something like Isaiah wagging a metaphorical finger at God's people as they always fall short. I bet you don't see John the Baptist in the wild or standing in the Jordan River. I bet if I say Gabriel, the picture that comes to mind is something like brightness, shades of light and gold, maybe a figure floating above the earth, winged, maybe haloed with a long trumpet and a benevolent human face. Centuries of readers and artists have taken the little bit we know about this messenger from God and have made him, well, into a hymn, for starters, and they've given him wings and the ability to fly and the soothing voice of James Earl Jones. (laughs) That picture of Gabriel and wilderness don't seem to go together any more than our picture of demure Mary and wilderness go together. But here we have a voice from God speaking into the same kinds of wilderness we have today. Gabriel might not have resembled Isaiah or John, although to be fair, we don't really know. But Gabriel cries out to Mary right where she is. I have to confess that by the time I get to Christmas Eve, I'm tired of preparing I only want to feel the way those pictures of Gabriel look. Calm, bright, hopeful. I want to see the moment when light breaks through darkness. I want to get chills up and down my arms as I listen to the nativity story. It is so familiar that the story itself combats the feeling of being in the wilderness. So I want to let it wash over me like comfort. The way when I was a kid, I used to sit on the sofa so my mom could plunk a big load of laundry right out of the dryer on top of me. My brother and I would just stretch ourselves under those clothes and their warmth until they cooled off and we had to fold them. The Christmas story can be like warm laundry. We know the word so well. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger. Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. Like a warm blanket, this story. And some years, that's just what we need a warm blanket. Some years we are comforted enough by the practice, the routine of coming here for the telling. Some years the glow of those familiar pictures of angel and holy mother is enough, an impression of light against the world's darkness. And some years we need more than the echo of an old journey We don't just want a comfortable story. We want a message that responds to the brokenness we know. We want the loud voices that can reach into wilderness the way John the Baptist and Isaiah do. We want them to meet the weariness that put us on the Advent journey to begin with. So today, 
We can let this story wash over us, and we can also listen to the two voices speaking to us from it, Gabriel and Mary. This passage is called the Annunciation because Gabriel comes to announce to Mary that she will be the mother of Jesus. As much as we want to, we don't know that much about Mary, including how she was when Gabriel arrived. The world has been obsessed with her for centuries, trying to squeeze insight from the tidbits of information we have. Why her? What was she thinking? doing, feeling. What was life like for Mary, pregnant before she was married, traveling while very pregnant, rejected from shelter to give birth? What was it like to be Mary, raising a kid and then a teenager and then standing at the foot of his cross? What would life have been like for her if God had chosen someone else? If she'd just been a teenager a little longer and gone through with marriage, the family she had planned, what if she'd just been the wife of a carpenter in a small town? We love an origin story, and Mary's is the ultimate origin story, but we just don't know. We don't know how Mary felt about being engaged in a world where teenagers, probably between 12 and 16 years old, were promised in marriage. We don't know what life would have held for her, except that she was young. She was a girl in a culture that gave no mind to women. She was betrothed, so under the control of Joseph's family. With that little bit alone, we do know that Gabriel's first words to her do not make any sense. Greetings, favored one, he says. But there's no reason for Mary to be favored. She hasn't done anything to deserve special attention. She hasn't earned the opportunity to bear the Lord into the world any more than any of us has. So Mary is confused, perplexed, and Luke tells us that she pondered what kind of greeting this might be. Now, artists have made that moment into a serene one where a pensive Mary comes quietly to terms with a changed future. But scripture actually tells us that she was afraid, so afraid that angel Gabriel says to her, do not be afraid. But Mary can't make sense of this news that she will bear a son, much less that he will be God. She's stuck on the whole bear a son part and says, how can this be since I'm a virgin? Mary, like many prophets, tells the truth here. The story of the Lord's birth is impossible. It doesn't make any sense. Mary should not be favored. She shouldn't be pregnant. Gods stay in their heavens. They don't come to earth. Teenage girls in backwater towns like Nazareth are not favored, not by their neighbors or their culture, not by empires, and surely not by God. If God is choosing how to come into the world as Messiah, there's no reason it should happen through Mary. And Mary knows it. When she hears the voice of the Lord in her wilderness, she has questions. But 
How, she insists, how can this be? And here, the voice of God tells us something essential for our lifelong advents. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. It's a shame that portraits of Mary have taken this word overshadow and used it to move her to the background, making her a passive participant in the inbreaking of God's love. Because this word means something more like envelop. So this voice, this divine messenger, says to a shocked and confused young woman something more like, the Holy Spirit will be by your side as you take on this world-changing role. The power that can only come from God will envelop you. You will have what you need, and it will come from God. This would be impossible for a human being alone, but you are going to share in the power of God, and with God, nothing will be impossible. When Mary speaks the words that are usually her only soundbite, here am I, servant of the Lord, let it be with me according to your word, she is not bowing out of the story as a pawn to unfolding events. She is summoning the strength she has been promised, the very power of God to participate in the advent of the Lord. How do we know? Because she goes from this shocking encounter with Gabriel to see Elizabeth, her pregnant cousin, who should not be pregnant either, and she sings to Elizabeth that God has seen her in her wilderness has looked on her a lowly servant and has called her blessed. She sings of the world to come, where the proud will be scattered, the powerful brought down, the lowly lifted up, the hungry filled, and the rich sent away hungry. Mary has heard a voice in the wilderness and becomes one herself. If just hearing this story again is comfort enough for you today, Amen. But if you need to hear that the power of the Most High will meet us for the wilderness journey we face, know that we are not the first to need that promise. In 1928, at age 22, Dietrich Bonhoeffer preached a Christmas sermon to the German church in Barcelona. You all remember that Bonhoeffer would eventually be executed for his resistance to the Nazis and his secret work to overthrow Hitler before he could build an empire. But years before that, already in 1928, Bonhoeffer saw that the world was a wilderness place and that one of the great risks of modern Christianity was that people of faith wouldn't see that they were in the wilderness. Bonhoeffer feared that we would allow empire and violence, even while we practiced Advent each year. He saw that it's possible for us to read this story without really hearing the message of Gabriel or of Mary, without letting the voice of the divine penetrate the wildernesses of our hearts, our churches, and our world. That Christmas in Barcelona, he preached that the familiarity of our shared story can be our barrier to hearing it. He said, we have become so accustomed 
to the idea of divine love and of God's coming at Christmas that we no longer feel the shiver of fear that God's coming should arouse in us. We're indifferent to the message, taking only the pleasant and agreeable out of it and forgetting the serious aspect that the God of the world draws near to the people of our little earth and lays claim to us. The coming of God is truly not only glad tidings, but first of all, frightening news for everyone who has a conscience. Only when we've felt the terror of the matter can we recognize the incomparable kindness. God comes into the very midst of evil and death and judges the evil in us and in the world, but God wants to be with us always, wherever we may be, in our sin, in our suffering, and death. We are no longer alone. God is with us. If you are in any kind of wilderness today, hear Mary's voice, engaging when God calls, asking questions and seeking to understand, preaching about the reversals to come, and finally, taking on the very power of God in order to say yes. If you are in wilderness, hear this story not just for comfort and glow, but its life-changing message because the Holy Spirit will be upon us too. The power of the Most High will envelop us too, and we will be carriers of God's radical love too. Let us pray. Holy coming one, break into our hearts with your shocking news. Look with favor on us, your lowly servants, just as you did with Mary and show us how we might participate in the story of your advent. Use even this wilderness for your love. Amen.